And we're live. Welcome back to Technically Managing. This is episode five, I believe. Uh, It is April 13th. How are you doing, Ramu? I'm good. I'm excited. Maybe we should do a recap of everything we've gone through with Technically Managing since it's our fifth episode. Okay, yeah. So we are five episodes deep. We'll probably finish up the Road to PM um, series this one. So to do a quick recap on that for people have been like coming in at different points. Basically, Ramu and I are product managers in the database org at Oracle. We both started in the same class of team, which is Oracle's like right out of college entry level program when we were solution engineers who helped give um, technical presentations on sales calls. So basically up until this point, we've been recapping what it was like going through as a solution engineer in our journey through that and basically the road to product management, what led us to our roles now. Up until this point, we've covered everything up to our actual interviews with product management and starting out there. So that's about right where we are with this episode. And we'll probably, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll wrap up road to PM this because all we have left is the interviews and first impressions. Definitely. Also a quick shout out because I did say last episode that we didn't have any Spanish speaking people watching our podcast, but we actually do have people from Mexico and from Colombia. So, you know, um, just... did they reach out to you or did you check the stats? No, I checked the, the stats and I felt bad because I literally said that last episode, you know, so <laughs> we actually do have people watching Got us some representation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, definitely thinking of continuing to create content content in Spanish. And yeah, if we end up, you know, if you end up sharing some of it, like that would be awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely down for you to, like if you want to post on Telkiturk or anything. Um, yeah, or even like maybe your newsletter or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. even if you just like do a LinkedIn article or something, I can link to that in the newsletter. So okay. that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd like it'd be cool to see you start doing that kind of content and just seeing what the outreach is like yeah i gotta imagine people would appreciate that just because like we've talked about yeah no i've actually had the chance to talk to um se's that are solution engineers that are you know only talking to people in latin american countries and they do say that that's like needed you know so i think it's Kind of like my little project, you know, definitely to start creating like content in Spanish. So they have somewhere to look at and understand like 100%, you know. Yeah, your project is reaching out to new audiences in other languages. Mine is making little drawings of myself and putting it on my blog. (laughs) (laughs) But you're still educating people. So that's good. Yeah. How's the sunscreen situation going? So I've been getting my, I've been doing the daily journaling and just kind of keeping track of making sure I'm eating generally clean, uh, getting my runs and workouts in, and getting daily sunlight. I haven't gone outside and laid in the sun yet. I've only been doing my walks. So there hasn't been sunscreen yet, but like, I also- But you know, there should be sunscreen every day, even if you're working, sir. I think it's baby steps with me. Like, okay. let's, we'll, I'll be we'll going get you there. We'll get yeah, you I'll be there. going outside this weekend. I want to like, it's the weather has been starting to get better. So I want to bring out a blanket and read in the park. We'll definitely be doing sunscreen for that. 
Okay, awesome. Awesome. And as, as soon as we cover that, maybe I'll start listening to your everyday sunscreen. <laughs> Keep us updated. Honestly, I'm actually going to send you like sunscreen suggestions because I feel like a lot of people don't like it because it's like sticky and it feels weird in your face. But mm -hmm. I have like one that's like oil free. So you're going to like that one. And it helps with acne. Like I, I don't know if you have acne, but like I don't have a lot of acne, but still I don't like sticky sunscreens. So what are your thoughts on the spray sunscreen? Because my biggest problem with like the lotion mm -hmm. is I'm a giant six foot five guy. So it takes forever to rub that in. Yeah. So it's like, I like to just like do the quick spray, maybe like a face stick or something. I want to keep it easy. It's annoying having to get my whole body with everything because it takes time. I feel you. I love the the spray. It's just that it's bad for the environment, you know? Is it? Yeah. But okay. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I do buy it sometimes. Like, if I go to the beach, I'll wear it because maybe, like, I can't reach my back or whatever, you know? And I'm definitely very patient. Like, I'm the type of person that just wants to spray and go, you know? <laughs> but, but yeah. If I'm not going to the beach, I'm, I'll probably use, like, the the cream you know and I'll yeah. just like do it in like my hands my arms you know like places that I know it's gonna hit the sun if not it's fine you know but yeah I'll send you some suggestions of sunscreen sounds good I'll get the sunscreen recommendations maybe we can <laughs> maybe we can do one of those um like uh tier list videos they have on the internet where you just rank your favorite sunscreens by Legit. like category I hate it because I actually love those videos. Like I watched, no, those are fun videos. Yeah. Yeah, like I watched the ones where they put like paper and then a sun, a little bit of sunscreen, and see if it if it like dissolves or something like the oil, you know. So, I, don't, I, don't I love care watching. Like, this. Yeah, like if it, I don't care if it's completely out of left field. I will randomly just put up like a sunscreen tier list video with you, or it's just you and I like testing the stuff out. Technically managing sunscreens. Yeah. <laughs> We're expanding the brand. We don't know what we represent anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like as a PM, you need to take care of yourself, you know? Like, a lot of things are thrown at you all the time. So, I mean, we could tie it into, you know, our podcast. <laughs> yeah. There's something that we can do to justify it. So, do you want to go ahead and start with your interview process? Okay, yeah, I think I'm a good one because for context with the audience, when we got into PM, it was a very interesting time period because as I'm sure a lot of people are aware, since we started, I started last March, so March of 2022. When did you get in? I think I started March 1st. Okay, yeah, so you're basically, like, within a week or two of me. Yeah. I think I was, like, the second week of March or something. So to, like, rewind the clock, tech has been having a lot of, like, hiring freezes, layoffs just across the industry. We got in right before all that stuff happened. And Oracle was kind of funny about it because traditionally, product managers are a position that is a bit of a catch-22 to get in. It's more of a mid-career position for a lot of people where they do something else first and they make their way into PM. And there is kind of like a bit of like an industry stigma where they want people with PM experiences to hire PMs, but how do you get PM experience without being a PM? So, and like Oracle has a lot of experienced 
product managers, I would say it's probably one of the areas in the company where people have been around for a while and there isn't a lot of people say in their twenties, like Ramu and I, but we did go through like a little bit of a wave where they snatched up a group of us into product management all around the same time. My theory is they're basically like, Hey, we got to start training up the next generation and it's, let's grab people from within the company who show promise, et cetera, to do that. So some of our friends are in product management now, and we obviously are as well. And I think I probably had one of like the least traditional interview experiences. And to kind of run through that, it was very informal, where I didn't really like get grilled or anything. I think all I had was like two conversations with Jeff, where we just chatted and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll probably like have you talk to some people on the team. But I never had a formal technical interview. A lot of what I was evaluated on was just purely my work as a solution engineer, which is, I think, why they were pretty light on asking me about that kind of stuff. Because during my time as a solution engineer, I put together like a 35 page master guide of documentation for onboarding new class of solution engineers with OCI. I worked with the Live Labs team and product management creating a workshop for zero downtime migration. Um, and I did a couple other different type of projects that are in like, I would say the PM realm of skills and material. So I kind of had like a resume and when Jeff and I started seriously talking about me coming over I'm just like oh yeah here's my projects like you can come see so I think because of that I got lucky and avoided say what a lot of people would consider the hardest part of interviewing in technical roles which is like the technical interview because even like talking to my friends who are developers and all that I haven't had many technical interviews in my career like solution engineering was pretty much the only time but those seem like they can be pretty hard because it's hard to gauge someone's technical knowledge when a lot of our skills as technical people is kind of how our brain processes information versus say like you show up like you show up to an interview and they ask on like five different subjects you could be like the best I don't know, developer, PM, whatever in the world. But if you're just like unaware or haven't been thinking about like one of those five subjects, you could easily bomb that because it's just not something you were focusing on. Like you can easily learn in all that stuff. So like, I don't know, like, do you have any friends who have gone through more technical interviews? Like, does this kind of resonate with anything that you've heard with stuff so in actually, terms of, yeah. My boyfriend, right? He, he's a developer in his you know where he's working and he's had interviews like he's interviewed honestly he hasn't been like actively trying to leave his company or anything like that but he's done like interviews with amazon so like amazon reaches out to him like every year and asks him to do an interview right and i think it's been hard for him because he doesn't he does like low code right now um mm -hmm. And the the technology that he's doing right now is not as 
you know, technical or you don't really have to like program as much like with Java, Python, all that stuff. He kind of learns it on the side, but it's, you know, that's not what he does at work all the time, right? And the the way it goes for at least in his experience, it's been that they just sent him a link and they sent him two questions to, you know, questions that he has to code. And he doesn't really talk to anyone, just a recruiter telling him like, okay, I'm going to send you the link. That's it, you know? <laughs> so they don't really look into whether you are, I don't know, willing to learn or you are, I don't know, a hard worker. They're just like, okay, show us your coding experience and that's it, you know? And I think that is hard because it's not only about knowing how to code, but kind of finding the right implementation and being more like, you know, like if there's a way of like doing this in two lines and it's, it works in different situations, then it's a better answer than having 10 lines and, you know, your code just not being good quality. Basically, mm -hmm. they care about the quality of your code. So I do think that technical interviews are really hard. And I was actually surprised, like for solution engineering, that we didn't really have to have a super technical interview because we were just presenting and then they were asking us questions of how much we knew about the product, right? That we yeah. were presenting on. And I think they had way more of like a grace space for us to, okay, maybe they're not perfect, but they're a good candidate to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, when I see technical interviews or hear the word technical interviews, I would want to run away to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Cause like my whole thing with that, just like on the outside looking at it is I've never had a problem with the whole, Hey, like here's some questions. We'll give you time to go figure it out. Or like what they did with us where it's like, here's a prompt, go learn this tech and present on us in a week because it shows your ability to learn. I've, I don't know how often they do, but I've like heard of coding and technical interviews though, where it's like, you don't know what they're going to ask. You show mm -hmm. up on the spot and they're like 30 minutes, like, boom, like you got to like do on the spot and you don't know like beforehand yeah. what it is. And that's where, that's where I'm kind of like, uh, like how, I, I don't know if that's the best representation of how people can perform. Right. No, and he actually did have an interview like that for Google. Right. Uh -huh. And he did really well. Unfortunately, we had to move well because of me, you know, we had to move to Florida. So he he didn't end up like moving forward with the interview. But I think those are the worst, right? Like where, where you actually have to go there in person, but at least you get to talk to the recruiter, you know, or like whoever's interviewing you and they get to know a little bit more about your personality, you know, like I feel like some of these like are so cold and that's why, I don't know, it's just like harder for people to get in when they that's, think about that you know yeah like the whole personality thing it is kind of funny because when you get to your less tech tech is cool because you talk to a lot of people all mm -hmm. over the spectrum of skill set where you have people with like no technical experience and all of their interviews are about personality communication 100%. and experience but then you can like also have the extreme where it's like your super technical stuff where it's like hey like they may be like the most genius person in the world, but you should probably also do a little bit of like, is this going to be a good fit. personality fit? And they yeah. don't. I Solution engineering and product management are nice because I feel like they have, they keep an eye on 
both sides of the mm-hmm. like I guess the spectrum there the soft skills and the technical skills um and that's something that like I do think has served me well personally because my whole thing is like I think my kind of selling point as an employee is I'm not going to be the best pure public speaker in the world. I'm not going to be the deepest, smartest technical person, but Mm -hmm. I want to find like a unique combination of skills that allows me to present myself as unique Because, like, let's just take a look at my background. It's like, I had no tech background coming into Oracle, but coming into product management now, it's like, what makes me stand out? I'm not, I didn't have any PM experience. I wasn't a super smart developer, but I came from business school. I had a finance background. So you at least knew as my career progressed, I had that literacy to understand that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I showed in solution engineering that I can do presentations and that I can learn tech. And like at the end of the day, it's like, I'm willing to have a good attitude and learn anything when you kind of go off like one dimensional only looking at yourself as someone who focuses on x and only does x and you define your career by x you're going against everyone in x but if you're like i'm xyz you're like well how many people can do xyz and how many of those people are available i think there was someone who's a big tech personality i think it might have been like naval ravikant or someone like him who talked about that where it's kind of like find your lane of competition but you want to do something that does mix of multiple things because once you go into those like one-dimensional skills whether it's say being a basketball player or like a professional chess person it's like you're it's like blue ocean versus red ocean strategies where like the ocean is red and there's like intense competition and stuff you're just making your life so much harder. But if you find like your own niche, like your own blue ocean that, Hey, I could fill a need here that not many people are serving. It's like, you just made your life a whole lot easier. So I think like all that stuff probably played into the fact why my interview experience was pretty easy. Like even I'm not really entirely sure why it kind of played out the way it did, but yeah, it was pretty simple. Like I had like two conversations with Jeff and we basically after that just timed it with my start schedule. I do want the caveat to that to be that there was literally like a year of preparation, building up a resume and people talking behind the scenes, both of which I was conversations I was privy to and ones I'm sure I wasn't. So it's not like the message here I'm saying is, Oh, like things should be super easy and they should just assume you're going to be some whatever person you can handle everything. But like my point with this is there are multiple, I feel like with interviews, it's easy to kind of especially because it's something that's scary, like zone in and kind of put your blinders on where you think in terms of like, oh, what do you think stereotypically they look for an interview? And you think that you're only being evaluated on that like half hour, that hour, those calls or whatever, the formal interview process. If you like play to your strengths and like be creative and find ways that like you can make an impression outside those moments, because a lot of the times with interviews, like they have to put the, they have to put like the job requisitions up and they have to make sure that like it's open to everyone and like, 
you go through like everyone goes through the same interview process but yeah. everyone's human and the way that your interview factors are evaluated a lot of those factors are outside the pure interview itself so that was a little bit like that was basically like my experience but just even i've like talked to like five people who like gotten to pm mine was i think by far one of the most kind of laid back ones so i think what you said was key and is that maybe yes your interview was easy but you worked really hard you know mm -hmm. without even knowing where you would end up because i'm assuming that you know like six months into solution engineering you didn't know that you were going to be a pm right yeah but building your resume your first year is so important like i don't know how other people do it but at least us with class off solution engineering we got the chance to take some time to learn stuff, to look for opportunities, to network with people, right? And same thing as what you did. Like, I think at least we had like Sankita and Frank that kind of pushed us towards having an Oracle resume, right? But when I applied for this job, I went back to my Nash portal document. So they made us basically fill a document with all of the stuffs projects that we've worked on. And it was so easy for me to go back and basically build my Oracle resume. You know, I call it Oracle resume because I put only things that I did in Oracle, right? Not, I did I did put things that I did outside. Like for example, I was a teaching assistant for a Java introductionary, introduction class, right? But still, it was so easy for me to actually tie things down or back to product management, right? And that wouldn't have been possible if I wasn't open to saying yes to everything, even if I didn't know what I was signing up to, right? And I think that just talks so much about you, the fact that in one year you've done so much, you know, compared to maybe you could have had the chance to just sit in your house, you know, get paid, not do anything and show up to whatever you were signed up for, but you did extra stuff, you know? Yeah. So- and yeah, that's important, I think. And that reminded me of a couple different things. I think one of the things that I'm at least privy to, because I know my personality, is if I get bored, <laughs> I shut down. And mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people at, and this, this includes Oracle, but I think this is universal across every company. With mm -hmm. entry-level positions, your level of responsibility and like, stuff you take care of is often pretty low. And I know that can be demoralizing and kind of like lead to you to coast. You're like, oh, my job's like easy. They don't care. I'm not really contributing anything anyway. So they kind of take that like lackadaisical approach. But like the thing with that that you have to be careful with and like why you can't do that is like even if your job itself, they're not utilizing you much. Mm -hmm. use that free time to your advantage like don't look at it as like oh nice I have like all this time to slack off now look at it as like I have this time to now focus on getting to the next position that will utilize me more and exactly. that will yeah like give me the opportunity because like I just like I've heard about just people like class like people in like class of types 
uh, teams across various areas of Oracle and other places that it's just like these kids seem unmotivated. They like don't seem to care. They don't seem interested in position. And if the position itself is something you're not interested, fine, fair enough. You're fresh out of college. You're not expected to know everything. Exactly. But your response should be, how do I get to something that I am interested in? And that does grab my attention just so that uh, you make sure you're like moving in the right direction and you have something to show for your efforts. Because people are, especially when you're young, like the, the name of the game when you're young is you don't have age and experience. So what upper management looks to for us is not all the answers. What the hell do we know? We're like in our 20s. But they look for people who learn quick and show potential and drive. So that's how you make the impression. And like to go on to the other two things, um, even though like the interview itself was very laid back, I made sure my resume going to that was airtight and killer. And also like over the whole year leading up to it, I networked my butt off. And there's something I learned really important from that, that younger me would have really liked to hear. So I want to talk about that. And that's always network before you ever need something from anyone. Because the reason for that is like in college, networking was something that I always hated and was always Mm -hmm. a pain and stressed me out because it's like, okay, my dad's a pilot. So like great career, like well-established professional does well for himself. But he, like he had, like my family had some friends who I talked to like in the more business sphere, but that was more like business and finance. Um, And even that was, there wasn't much opportunity there. And I didn't say in college, I didn't have a network of people who I can talk to Mm -hmm. about like getting into companies and stuff like that. So the whole networking thing left such a bad taste in my mouth because it was me being like okay I have to get I do want to I do want to wind that statement back a little bit because I did have some family friends who I got some good internships and stuff for and ultimately my first job was from a connection that I was able to make with people but I guess the point I'm getting at is is uh there was a lot of time period when I was looking in a couple different industries, especially ones I was less familiar with. It did feel like a mad rush where it's like, okay, I have like this ticking clock where I want to do X and Y because I took these classes on it and it seems cool. How the heck do I get into it? Well, everyone says network. Like if you just put your resume out on the glass door or whatever site you're using, it's just going to get lost in the mix. And it's like, okay, we're students. We don't have that much time. How do I like network? And it's like you get into these networking opportunities. And it's like, I got a ticking clock of only a couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, and you kind of, I felt like I had to be a little bit more aggressive than I wanted to in my ask. Where it's, it's like, terrible. yeah, it's like, it's such a weird situation because you're basically like, hi, I know I just met you, but I'm really desperate. I need to make money. Can you hire me? You know nothing about me. So that whole thing was something that, I don't know. It's like it kind of like left this question mark and problem in my head that I've been thinking about for a couple of years. And it's affected how I've interviewed at Oracle because I, I don't like asking people for things, especially when they don't like know me and stuff, because I don't know, like it, it feels like I'm overreaching a bit. So my whole thing with networking at Oracle has been 
I want to connect and talk to people who I am just interested in having a relationship with. Like if I'm reaching out to people, networking, I don't want something from you. I'm trying to definitely learn from you and build a relationship. And hopefully in the future, we can help each other. But giving yourself that space, I don't think so. I don't think many people realize how important it is because when you're calm and you don't expect anything and you're just like casually like, Hey, nice to meet you. Like, let's get to know each other. It's like your, genuine. Yes. And your energy is so much different mm-hmm. than that frazzled, desperate, like, hi, please help. I'm like, because, and like, we're also, there's something about like human nature where like when someone comes on a super strong like that and that kind of like frazzled, desperate energy, they could be the nicest, most talented person in the world. It puts like a spit in like a defensive, like, whoa, like you're a bit like of an octave above me. So- right. Yeah. And that's, that's why I just like want to touch on like how make like, that's another reason why it's like start planting those seeds well in advance because the amount of like patience and how you can kind of sit with yourself calmly, big difference in terms of how you start to build your career. Yeah. So, okay. I feel like networking, like we use it a lot. And I think it's because we're like talking about work, you know, but in general, I would say it's more of like, if you see someone right that at work or even in school, like, I think I did my master's at the right time where I was mature enough to talk to teachers without feeling like I was, I don't know, forcing, forcing things, you know, like maybe go, you know, when you maybe go to a teacher and you're like, hi, how are you? Have a good day or whatever. And you feel like you're kind of I don't know, acting like you want them to like you or something or stand up from the class. Like, I feel like I didn't do that on in my undergrad because that's not me, you know. But when I moved to my master's, I did build relationships with my teachers, but because I actually wanted to learn, you know, I was way more mature in that sense. And then they started, I think, liking me because I, I actually wanted to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. So... When I moved to Oracle, again, I'm super shy. Like I normally don't open up to people that easily and stuff, you know? So when I moved to Oracle and I saw someone that was doing something that I saw, I thought was cool. Like, let's say they just gave a presentation and I thought their presentation was great. You know, I would go back to them and I would be like, wow, your presentation was great. Do you have any tips? Or if I'm preparing for a presentation, I'm going to reach out to them and see what their feedback is, right? Or if I think something is cool, I'll go to them and then I'll ask them, hey, do you need help with anything? Can I help you with anything? I would love to learn about this. And this is just genuine stuff without me thinking, wow, I want them to hire me because that's just not the way at least I was thinking during my first year as a solution engineer, I already said that, you know, I was thinking on just staying there for, I don't know how long, you know, until I actually felt like I had experience as a solution engineer, you know? So I think it's just about building genuine connections inside of Oracle. And for example, I definitely got this opportunity of becoming a PM because I was genuine about learning stuff about graph and going back to Melly and asking her questions about graph. And I guess that's what made her think, hey, maybe she could be a good, you know, candidate for her to apply for this position, right? 
So if you feel like uncomfortable with networking, maybe just realizing that there's some things that you should work on and identifying those people that are good at what you think you have to improve is a really good way of networking and also offering help. Like in your first year, you might not have as much work as like your next few years. So just being able to ask people, hey, do you need help? That helps you build your resume and then, you know, be able to get to know you better. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things to build off that too, in terms of just like having that genuine interest in people, That's also the reason why it's so important to be cognizant about the industry you pick. And Mm -hmm. I feel like our society has a lot of conversation around this in terms of like the whole attitude of work hard, suck it up, who cares versus like follow your passion, do what you love. And the answer I think is in the middle where it's like, look, it's not cut and dry where this is some binary decision of choose passion versus like hard work, grind, make money because yeah, you have to take into account if you're in your twenties, like look for, look for skills and positions, even if your actual position itself, like it caps at that and there's no upward potential in those companies. Like does that position give you a skill set that you can then take and grow your career and move up in other places? So you got to think like, yeah, choose careers where there is upward pay potential, because no matter how how much you love anything, like you got to pay the bills and you can use the money you make to do the passion projects that you can't get paid for on the side. And then maybe you can build it up to a point where you get paid for it. Like always think in terms of that. But it's like on the other side, you shouldn't just choose a career willy nilly and go, oh, I heard because this makes good money, I should go do that. Or my parents said like, this was really good. Because Mm -hmm. if you're if you don't have a genuine, at least interest in the thing, like, it's not going to click for you, no matter how hard you push yourself and try like your brain will start to fight against you. And also when it comes to networking, it's like, you want to find industries that you have an interest in that can develop into a passion and I say develop into a passion because I don't I think a lot of the times college kids hear the phrase like oh what's your passion just go do that I don't know I'm in college but at least start with okay let's think about the things I'm interested in Mm -hmm. and let's at least learn about that maybe even go try it with a job so I know hey I think this is the right direction or at least I can cross this off the list and move on and stop thinking about it and then go to the thing next thing that I might be interested in. Because with all of this, like 90% of the reason why networking has been successful for me at Oracle is because people in tech and Oracle, we have a lot of the same interests and values. Like you work in tech, you everything is constantly changing. So you have to love to learn when you're at a big company like Oracle with all these moving pieces you have to be able to communicate and talk to people and be collaborative. So, and like, so you have like all these collaborative, smart people who love to learn, which are things that I all really appreciate in my own life, which is why it clicks. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have like, so not only are you choosing your domain in terms of like, just 
what your own interest is for the day-to-day work, but it's also so you surround yourself with people that you can get along with and like are going to be at a similar rhythm to you. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I did want to like expand on what you were talking about when we, a lot of us basically joined PM and I feel like why do you think that was like the moment to join PM? Like what caused all that? Because I think that by the time that we were joining PM, a lot of things were happening in Oracle. And for example, for my team, when I joined, they had already like maybe two, three more hires. And some of the people in the team had already um, retired, right? So I'm just wondering, right? Because we were talking about how people, you know, in PM, they spend a long time during PM, right? And then there comes a time where they have to retire, right? And what do they do? Do they hire new people? Do they look for people inside of their company and give them their PM positions? Like, what what do they do right and why did this happen like, why was that the time <laughs> yeah so i have some speculation on that and like for the audience pm is an interesting position where i think it's kind of similar to engineers where they try engineers jump around more i want to start by that caveat versus pms generally at least at a company like oracle stay in their position longer but pms and engineers they do have they are kind of symbols of a tech company's health so generally they like try to treat them pretty well give them resources and with pm like there is a lot of i would say job security as long as you don't abuse it and they are trying to give you incentives that keep you in that like the product management ecosystem of your company for long periods of time whether it be through stocks uh like unlimited vacation etc um my speculation in terms of the whole thing is i think people are retiring i think i think there's probably some conversations and patterns of gossip around like upper management in terms of like hey people are retiring we're starting to see some of us get older even though we may not be leaving retiring etc for the next couple years a decade except like whatever we do need to start training up the next generation so i think they filled those spots they saw across pm and oracle kind of as a group where it's like yeah we're seeing this trend it gets the approval we do the hiring thing but it was pretty funny because pretty soon after we got hired into PM, they shut those doors. They like gathered a group of like a dozen of us or whatever. They're like, okay, we need to fill up the ranks. And it's like, we got our people like door closed. And I don't know about you, but the months after I got into PM and they kind of started to close those doors again, the gossip and rumors that PM's a pretty good gig started to make its way amongst the Oracle, like 20 something population of sales, solution engineering, like 
from all over. And I had so many people reach out to me, be like, Hey, like I heard you you got like hired into PM. It sounds really cool and interesting. Can I talk? Mm-hmm. And like, I love conversations with those kinds of people and all like super great people. And I'm kind of like, Hey, if I hear anything, I'll let you know, yep. but it's been hard. Like, largely. Yeah. It's like, it's closed <laughs> off. Like if any of you are listening, like, you know, who, like, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not you. Like, it's just, I don't know, hiring goes in waves and I'm sure all the hiring freezes and like the larger economic stuff isn't helping at all. But it it was, we we very much got lucky with the right place, right time with that. But exactly. it's also, it's not, that's why you, that's why I'm like emphasizing with, hey, if you're an entry level role and even if it's not the greatest thing in the world, it's like use your time because opportunity is like when like preparation and luck like meet each other where it's like you want to do the preparation and you might not know what the opportunity is that's going to come along it could have been pm if it didn't work out for us you and i are resourceful enough where we would have found something else but that's why you're prepared because like you need to be able to strike when the moment's there and it's it's not something where the moment comes along you're like oh that's a good moment let me start to work towards that. Cause like, no, by the time you acknowledge it and get to the point you need to be, it would have already passed. Yep. So mm-hmm. I think that definitely the retiring portion helped us getting to PM. Um, I think that there's also a change, right? Like we're seeing other companies with younger PMs and I think Oracle kind of caught up to that and they were like, we should probably have also young PMs in our teams. Um, and I also think that it is easier to get into PM when you're inside of your company, right? So like, yeah. let's say if you, I don't know, work, I don't know, let, let's put a, an example in Microsoft, you know, just to not talk only about Oracle, but if you're in Microsoft and you have a totally different job and you want to get into PM, but you weren't able to get into PM right out of college, just get a job that has similar duties or responsibilities and then make the switch to PM. And I think another factor for sure of like getting into PM is just having that, you know, being able to work with people that are already into the PM world organization in general, because they will help you at least be able to identify the skills that you need to develop to become a good PM. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's easier to make the switch into PM when you're already inside of your company. Yeah. That, that point you just touched on there where like learn from the older PMs. If you're a young person who is going into product management and you have that opportunity, I would say the number one lesson and thing that's helped me is you're not going to know stuff and a large majority of what you're going to learn is going to be from the people who have the experience do it doesn't matter if you're not the best at it like no one is starting out do everything you can to build up those skills at putting yourself in situations where you can ask those type of people questions and learn from them Ask follow-up questions when you don't understand something, like check your ego, like even even if you start to get to the point of your learning stuff. And this is one of the things that I've all, I would say my past year, I've been trying to be as careful as possible because mm-hmm. I know my personality. If I know something, 
I'm going to blurt it out because in my mind, I'm like, I know that's right. I need to say it out loud to find out if I'm wrong or if they're wrong. So I don't move on confused. Right. So you're going to, especially once you start to get knowledge, you're going to have to be very careful about balancing what you know and learn and realizing that not only do you not know stuff, you don't know what you don't know. And the only people who can help expedite your process in learning what you don't know at a quicker rate are the older, more experienced, wiser people around you who are paying attention to you. So that's why it's like, help people whenever you can. You want as many eyes on you so that people can, so you build up that goodwill of other people and just genuine, like strong relationships so they can help you identify your blind spots. Like that is huge. Exactly. Um, also, I, I think another reason why it's really hard to get into PM is just, let's say that, for example, my team is 10 people, right? Mm-hmm. And they've been here for a very long time. So if they don't retire, you know, like it's really hard for an opening to happen. And normally like the PM teams are not like they don't really have a lot of numbers, you know, they just have like the ones that they have and that's it. So it's really hard to come across being able to hire new people, at least in Oracle. That's what I know from Oracle. I don't know how it works with other companies, but I've definitely had a lot of people reach out to me asking me, Hey, do you know if there's an opening? Do you know if there's an opening? Of course, I can't do anything. Unfortunately, I can't open a position for anyone. You know, I would love to. There's been right. some great people I've talked to. Like, as soon as I hear something, it's like, like keep please reaching out because exactly. I want to keep it top of mind because like, there's so many impressive people. It's kind of sad that yeah. you can't hire everyone. Exactly. No, and I actually like at least definitely the people that we went, we were in class up with and all that stuff. Like, I I keep them in mind for sure. You know, mm-hmm. but. It's just so hard to find a PM opening position, at least in our organization. I don't know about the other organizations, but just keep that in mind whenever you reach out, at least to me, because I definitely feel bad when I can't help someone, you know, but it's really hard sometimes to find job openings for product management positions. Yeah. And like we're saying, if PM is your passion, it's something you really want to pursue, Find a company that has a strong PM division. Mm-hmm. Try to get into a position as closely aligned as possible to that. It doesn't need to be the same or like yeah. super similar. Just something that you're still developing those adjacent skill sets. Solution engineering is a great one. Yeah. Presentation skills. You work on internal projects if you're lucky. Like it's all very, you learn technical knowledge, all very similar. But use that as an opportunity of like, hey, I'm kind of in your ecosystem. I'm going to bust my butt show that I can get stuff done because if you prove yourself as someone who has good output and is reliable, your company is, they're, they're going to do what they can to retain you if they're good and care. And a lot of that is knowing that your A type performers, they're going to want to pursue their passions and upper management knows that the way you get the best output from people is let the smart people pursue what they're interested in because they're going to be able to put like multiple times the amount of like productivity into it because you see what happens when you do stuff you're passionate about it's like it's so much like you can accomplish so much more and the quality is better so 
use yeah build up the skill set use it to build up your like corporate leverage to move to what you want to get to exactly and also like I, I just said that it's hard to find job openings but at the same time like if your personality is good if they see that you're a hard worker and you know you are you're able to reach to the right person it can happen because I also want to highlight that when I applied for my PM position, they were only going to hire one person. And I feel like I wasn't the, the you know, number one choice, but maybe I would love to believe that they love me so much, you know, <laughs> that they were like, okay, let's hire someone else. Because I remember asking in my interview, how many people are you guys planning on hiring? And they said, it's only one. But you know what? It would actually be a good idea to maybe ask to see if we can hire two people. And they said that in my interview, you know? So then I was like, damn, like that's not going to happen. You know, they're probably not going to have the budget. Like that's not going to happen. And two people got hired. So, you know, you just never know. <laughs> What's, yeah, because like that's something where my brain goes the same way. It's like, I, if you tell me there's only a limited number of openings, I'm not good. I'm not good at being like self-aware of how I appear to the outside world and stuff. Mm -hmm. So my brain just goes in the probability mode. I'm like, oh, great. Like 0.01% chance I get this kind of thing. Right. And especially, especially still being in our 20s, I feel like so many people have this attitude coming out of college where you're like, hey, I was like, when you're in college, you're looking for your first job. You're just like, I'm just another number of yeah. oh x number of finance majors from this school it could be a great school but you're still competing against all the other finance majors from your school and all the schools better from you right. so you're kind of just like i don't have any anything to stand any value on. yeah it's like even if inside like inside your heart you know you're like oh i could kill it at this position and mm -hmm. i would go above and beyond what anyone else is doing they don't know that and you saying that is like okay that's great words but you don't have a track record as we're starting to move from entry level to more professional, it's probably too early to call mid-career, but you know what I'm saying. Like we're more established and we do have things we can point to. Yeah. Kind of like keep yourself in check and remind yourself of what you have accomplished and start building up that self-esteem a bit because I can, I'm very sympathetic to the whole like, on paper you look at it and you're like oh I've done some stuff but in your brain you still kind of have that college level self-esteem because you kind of haven't switched over sorry my dog he he just needs attention your dog's so cute <laughs> but yeah I I totally agree and it's just it's not all about whether you have the skills or not again we go back to just you know just showing who you really are. And if you're secure by the fact that, you know, you are, you can stand out on some things, then definitely show that in your interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. um, <laughs> You found the new toy to bring you. <laughs> yeah. I can go over my interview, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, let's circle back around to what your interview was like. So. I basically got three rounds of interviews and I had two people per interview except my last one where I only had one person 
and the hiring manager was always there, right? And basically, I felt like it wasn't a technical interview. It was more to see if I was first able to learn, right, fast and actually work on projects, you know. And of course, I had that from my Oracle resume where I worked on live labs, I worked on workshops. I also did like a video for um, a live lab or to go over the outline of a live lab. So kind of like being able to create content and stuff like that, as well as go over, you know, being able to present and stuff, right? So they kind of went over behavioral questions like for example what would you do if someone wasn't being as productive in a project how would you handle that you know and honestly I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer because like whenever you prepare for these interviews you'll go into videos and they'll tell you you should say this or that right but in all honesty I I replied the way I would actually do it you know <laughs> like for example I feel like if I were to work, be in a project and work with someone that's not doing a lot of the work, I would probably try to tell them kind of what to do. Like, hey, Zach, can you take care of this? And I'll take care of that. You know, I'll always try to use that communication skill, I guess. And then if it doesn't work, then in all honesty, I would do it myself, you know, because it's a reflection of my product, you know. So if this is not getting done, I'm I'm going to have to step up and do it myself. And if I have to do more work, then I have to do more work. But I have to deliver this. And I'm pretty sure I answered something around that, you know, point. And um, I think I had a lot of kind of like, how do you manage stuff? How do you keep yourself organized? Um, do you write it down or do you type it down you know more of like the organization because I feel like for PMs we have to be on top of everything like we might be working on a workshop and then we are working on this event and then we have to work on presenting this demo or there's just so many things that you have to work on and in one day you might be working on all of them you know so you have to be organized I think other questions so they were looking for someone that um new python and they did ask me a question they said um do you know python and i said no i've taken a course but i didn't add it into my resume because i don't feel like i i'm comfortable with python and i remember one of the of the people interviewing me david um he said well, I appreciate that you didn't put it in your resume if you don't feel like you're like comfortable <laughs> with it, you know? So I think being honest is important because some people would be like, you know what? I took a course on this. Like I definitely know Python, you know? I just flash back to my college resumes of like the five programming languages I put <laughs> as a business analyst. I'm like, oh yeah, I did something statistical in uh, Python. Let's put that down. Hmm, like let's, let's add a little yeah. R in JavaScript here. <laughs> Because I, like, did two video lessons. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm not talking bad about you. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, for me, I was just more, of, like, conscious of... Because I didn't know if it was a technical, press, like, you know, interview. So I was like, if they ask me something about Python and I don't know it, I prefer to just not put it in my resume, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of my approach. 
they asked me a lot about what did I think about their content, right? Like, for example, how do you learn better? And I told them that I normally learn better through videos or I like taking online courses, you know, where you are kind of watching a video, understanding step-by-step what they're doing and then being able to apply it in your own little environment, whatever you're practicing, right? So I feel like it wasn't only kind of them asking me questions, but I was also giving feedback of things that I like or how I like to learn, right? And at the end of every interview, I would send an email and maybe let's say that if I mentioned a course that I liked taking um, like on my own time, I would link that course too for them to see that, hey, this is the way I learn, you know, if you guys want to implement it in the future, you know, here it is what I was talking about. And I also went back to always saying, if you guys need help with anything, you know, and I can help with anything or a live lab or a demonstration or a presentation, like, please let me know. Even if I don't get this job, you know, (laughs) basically that was my messaging. And it was genuine, right? Because you you don't know, maybe you don't get the position now, but maybe in the future they might think about you, right? Because they already interviewed you. So That's a good point. Yeah, like they always look to when they're looking to fill positions in the future, who are our top candidates in the previous time we looked, are they still available? Like never burn bridges unless you have to of that. Exactly. So just always keep the door open if you can. (laughs) And um, yeah, so like my questions were more behavioral and I did ask a couple of questions too. I think it is important to ask questions about like how this is done or how they how they how do they work like I don't know for example how do they um uh, reach out to their customers or something like that right or do they even talk to their customers because maybe some PM might not talk to their customers directly you know how does their team work all PM teams work completely different so it's good to know what you're getting into like I know some time ago there was this girl that was looking into a PM role that was a little more involved with development and I'm just here assuming right but maybe kind of knowing whether the team you're applying for has more contact with their development team compared to someone that doesn't would be good for someone that's looking into a more technical role for PM so that's like a good you know interviews are a good way of finding that out right and also, um, for example, I know they had a requirement, well, not a requirement, but they would want someone to be more active in social media. And I asked about that. I was like, how are you guys more active in social media? And then, you know, they they told me that they're more active in like Twitter, LinkedIn, and but they're trying to get someone that's more creative and more active in that sense, right? So it's a it's a good way to not only think of just I hope they like me but I hope I like them too because it's important to work in a team where you're comfortable to share your opinions and where you feel like your personality clicks like I feel like overall I'm comfortable with my team like I can speak up in in certain like meetings and stuff like that and when I was uncomfortable enough they would make me feel comfortable by saying something like Ramu are you do you have any other comments do you have any thoughts do you want to share anything with us you know 
So I feel like that's something that I really appreciate the fact that I was able to kind of fit my personality with their personality because we're all kind of calm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it is kind of funny because like at least in my role, I could tell that I was on a good I'm on a good team because there's definitely some similarities with uh, me, Jeff, and I would um, Chris Hoyna, who's our other team member um, who got hired around the same time as me. And also, I just find the more I learn from Jeff, I'm like, I'm starting to get some Jeff mannerisms in me. So it's like, yeah, you need to definitely be able to sync up with the people and exactly. have that similar basis. Yeah. And I mean, that's good because you're learning from Jeff, right? Things that are helpful to your personality to become a good PM, you know? So that is important. And overall, just being able to feel comfortable with your team be able to be honest you know like I understand that we're in a work environment and we're not meant to be like extra friends with our co-workers but I personally feel like I just need to feel comfortable with whoever I'm working and be able to speak up what I'm thinking without offending anyone you know or criticizing anyone's work and I think we all have that kind of like we're not scared of giving each other feedback you know mm-hmm. and accepting feedback too and that's okay you know with us and it works for us so interviews are a great way of seeing how your team is like your future team is going to be so I know while we're on this topic there are going to be people who are curious about this and without going into specific numbers do you have anything you can add on what your experience was like coming into PM in terms of any salary negotiations uh, during the interview process, or at least how that was handled? So um, salary negotiation wise, I think uh, this is such a like topic that, you know, like everyone hates talking about, you know, <laughs> um, but basically I did get a salary raise, right? Mm-hmm. But again, we do have compensation where we're solution engineers, right? And I did talk about, you know, the fact that we we had compensation and it could have, you know, By compensation. Like, are you talking about the bonus targets? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So in in we, regards to like on top of our base salary that we have, exactly. just to clarify for people. Exactly. So it's hard, right? Because you don't really know if you're going to get your full compensation or not, depending on your performance. I'm not bragging, but I normally was really good with my compensation, you know, <laughs> um, like I couldn't complain. And I'm 100% sure you too, right? Um, so of course, like I didn't get like 100% of my compensation, but I did get like a good part of it, you know. So if I had that into consideration, I would break even or be a little less, you know. So when the time came, I did talk to my manager and she was very understanding and we came up with an agreement, right? And also Sangeeta and Frank helped me with that too. So it's, you know, just your your managers, if they're good, they'll they'll help you with that stuff, you know? And I'm honestly, I'm not even, I don't even want to say that because that's not your manager's job at the end of the day to help. I think they were just, nice enough to get involved into our hiring process um but even if I wasn't you know like 
get breaking even or getting my the salary that I like oh my god dreamed of you know <laughs> um I feel like I already had my mindset on the fact that I wanted to be a product manager and that you know in the future I could get whatever target I wanted you know so that was my approach like I'm not saying it's right or wrong because like salary is important you know and you should definitely have that talk with your manager. And I hate calling it salary negotiation because <laughs> that puts so much pressure on you, especially if you don't have that personality of negotiating, you know? It's also something that that is a dangerous word because when you think negotiation, you think like two parties like going in with like a warlike mindset of like some person is going to, we have to sit down and do this, but one person is going to win one person's going to lose. And I definitely had that where before I had professional experience and I knew how this works, mm -hmm. I very much, and I would say like, I even still had remnants of it with, and I can like talk about my thing in a second. Like I still had like remnants of that mindset with Jeff, but I thought I was like, I had to like almost kind of battle my manager to get as much money as possible mm -hmm. from them. And you're like, oh no, the way it actually works is like, your manager is your advocate, you work together and you go convince the higher powers that be that yep. like your employee like deserves this money, especially at a big company like Oracle, where exactly. power is like more delegated around. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes like it doesn't only have to do with your manager. Sometimes it has it has to do with HR and it has to do with where you're located on what's their salary for PMs in that location and stuff like that. So I was honest with my manager, you know, and she also helped me out at the end, you know, so I, I am, I'm happy, you know, <laughs> but it it is a hard conversation to have. And I remember at the beginning, I, I didn't say anything about my compensation, like my salary. I was just like, okay, this is my salary. And that's it, you know, but I was kind of like, Am I getting a pay cut? You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. confused at some point because of like the salary and compensation plan. But do you have a ghost or something? Oh, no. I was looking at something on my table, a book that I was going to reference in a second in oh, relation okay, to okay. this. You better show that book. <laughs> I will. So, yeah. So honestly, ju just be honest, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> just be honest of how you feel about your salary, because then I went back and I spoke with Frank and Sangeeta and I was like, you know, I know I want to do this. Yes or yes. So, you know, yes, like it would be nice to have a salary bump, but I feel like overall, I prefer being a product manager right now than a social engineer. So I'm going to take this no matter what, you know? Yeah. And that was my mentality. And honestly, it worked out for me, you know? But yeah, I, I don't think I'm like the best with this salary negotiation stuff, to be honest. <laughs> I hope it's something I have more to speak on that could help people as I advance in my career. Because like, it is one of those things that's like, it's always been at the center of, it's such a sensitive topic for everyone mm -hmm. to talk about. And it is such a gray area that there isn't a lot of, good information circling in the world about it my thing was um was there anything else you wanted to add before I kind of like went to what my situation was like um I just I just want to say that you talking about I would love to help people um with you know like salary negotiation mm -hmm. I just want to tell you that please don't be like any like TikTok or like YouTube 
you know, video where they say you should use these words, you know, and that's just not natural. Like that doesn't happen like that. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> when I'm talking about like helping people with it, I mean like in this kind of conversation format of how yeah. we're describing our experience. So like, hey, the stuff that seems like it applies to you. Exactly. Like grab on that if it doesn't seem relevant to whatever world you're operating in like mm-hmm. don't go sabotaging and be like well Zach and exactly. Ramu said it's like we don't know your exact specific situation, situation. Right? yeah yeah I do think there are principles across all this like all the different um industries and stuff that that if you like pay attention you can kind of see the patterns but yeah like in terms of my experience it was kind of funny because I've mentioned this in another podcast episode the big thing for me coming over was my goal was I would like to get IC2 in a transition. Mm. And I let Sangita know that I'm pretty sure that was like part of kind of like the conversations of I did want to see a pay bump going into my next role. Mm. But also similar to you, I was kind of battling the I don't want to show all my cards. But also it's like, I would have probably taken the position no matter what, as long Mm. as I wasn't Unless unless it was like a financial situation that was would have like screwed me or just didn't make sense or something. Um, in terms of it, I still remember it was kind of funny because Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, like threw out my number. He's like, OK, so when you come over just the way that HR and stuff works, like you can't get IC2 the second you come over, mm-hmm. like as part of like the coming over process. But the second you're over here, there might be like a couple week just make sure you're not some crazy person who's completely different from what we expected <laughs> but we can then like pretty much like get it through so it was like we can't promise promise anything but there was kind of like a verbal Agreed. not commitment because i'm sure oracle legal wouldn't like that word but you know what i'm saying when yes. i say like almost like hey we'll do what we can kind of thing mm-hmm. and I'm like I'll put your trust in you so when my like number in terms of my actual pay though got discussed during the interview process Jeff I still remember Jeff said something along the lines of like like is that is that good because he said the number and I paused because I was thinking and I'm like all the stuff was going around in my brain of <laughs> like just the whole like hardline negotiation stuff that you don't know any better I'm like do I try to ask for more do Bye. I accept what I got because I was starting to get more mature by the time I interviewed with PM and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking more about other people, not just myself, Zach, little Zach's growing up. And I'm like, <laughs> I obviously, I'm planning on working my ass off and right. doing everything I can. And I just want this to be the beginning. And I would like all the money I can have, obviously, but I also don't want to do anything that would in terms of like throwing out a number or something that would insult my manager or just put him in a tough situation or something. Mm-hmm. So when Jeff said the number, like in my head, and he's like, is that good? I'm like, in my brain, it was like the SpongeBob me. And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> like, So I was like, bit... what am I supposed to say exactly? Yeah. So ultimately, it's like, I got what I was looking for, where I got a nice little salary bump. I was being positioned to get IC level two, which is like the next just rank system up in Oracle on the move. And then there was a number and I'm like, would there be room to potentially milk a little more money? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Am I fine with this number? And I want to keep the bigger picture and put a good basis to the start of our relationship as employee and manager. 
where I'm not trying to like go too aggressive against you mm-hmm. also true so that's like that was kind of a lot of the stuff that quickly went through my head mm-hmm. so I'm like yeah that works for me everything worked out great and um we were able to like start with basically that kind of playing field for when I first got into PM I feel like you know and also also another first of all like you were really lucky you know to be able to jump into ic2 and get I, I was i do want to preface stuff. with that if there's sorry yeah. for cutting in there just because like i don't want to set like too many expectations yeah, uh, exactly i That's think not, i was like, normal <laughs> i think i was the only one out of the yeah. handful of us who came in from ic1 uh other positions in the pm who was able to negotiate that ic2 bump so if you do have an opportunity for PM and that's something you want to put your like foot in the door with, mm-hmm. don't, I wouldn't use my experience as the standard as like an expectation of like, Oh, if I was IC one, I should definitely get it's like, right. if you think you have room to negotiate it, I was trying to be careful. And I thought there was an opportunity to slip that through. And I was lucky enough to be right exactly. and make it happen. But that's not the standard experience. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like definitely if you feel like, there is a chance definitely discuss it right but don't think that that's like the norm right yeah um and then another thing that i want to like highlight is that let's say that if you don't if you decide that you're not going to negotiate or you end up not saying anything like don't beat yourself up you know (laughs) because you will get another chance you know like you might be able to build that relationship with your manager and bring it up again or worst comes to worst you can always look for another job you know Mm -hmm. if you're not happy with it right so don't feel like because like me at least me I was like wow why don't I ever talk about this stuff you know like it's like I'm bad at this thing and I'm not gonna bring it up and I'm not gonna talk about it and I'm just going to avoid it but then I'm going to be like okay why were other people able to do this and I wasn't you know so I just feel like just bringing yourself down is not the way it's just thinking okay maybe next time I'll have another chance like maybe I don't know if you're trying to get a promotion or you're looking for another job like you'll get a second a third a fourth chance like this is not the end of the world you know Mm -hmm. yeah and like to kind of add on that yeah like definitely especially in your 20s prioritize the experience but also the advice that like I do hear from higher-ups and stuff has always been like don't take a pay cut with your jump too and mm-hmm. i'm gonna grab the book i was talking about or i was thinking about it's right here so Kay malcolm who we've mentioned friend of the show senior director of oracle database product management she gave a couple of us a book recommendation and we started a little book club about it it's strategized to win by Carla Harris. She's a a Wall Street investment banker. I think it's oh no, senior. She's a client advisor at Morgan Stanley. I think she comes from an investment banking background, though. Uh, super impressive person. I think she's one of Kay's like mentors in real life too. What? But in the That's book, crazy. yeah, like her and Kay have met a couple times, I think. But so in this book, strategize to win. A lot of great career advice in there. Uh, it is more focused around the whole finance banking industry. Mm-hmm. So I would say like make the 
perspective adjustments to your own particular industry, et cetera. A lot of great advice across all the mains though. And her whole thing with just switching jobs and positions is there is an implicit cost in making a jump, no matter what your position is. Mm -hmm. So always try to like, you should always plan your move to at least have at least a partial pay jump, no matter Mm -hmm. what you like, no matter what happens. Obviously, that's the ideal. There'll be situations where if your ship is sinking or stuff is like super crazy, um, maybe that won't be able to happen and you just need to get out. And also, especially for something like the tech industry, where our value is our knowledge and experience. If you have like such a good opportunity with upward potential to jump into and you won't get a pay jump, I'm not going to tell you what to do or not do, but I would just consider that as part of the picture too. But I think what she talks about in this book in terms of like always at least plan and have the expectation to get a little bump in pay as you go is super important important because there is that cost of jumping where it's like you should get compensated for the risk of I'm leaving a familiar environment where I know how this ecosystem works to something where... I'm putting my financial stability at a bit of risk to move to you and do something new. So there should be a bit of an implicit reconciliation. Um, I don't know, like pay, you know what I'm saying in terms of justifying that. That honestly, like I never thought of it like that. And that's just such a good point because like you're leaving a familiar environment where you know you're doing good to go to another place that you might not like your coworkers. the work might be a lot you know and you don't know it there's no work balance like you're betting on this other position so that's like a really good way of viewing things wow that's so deep <laughs> on that note i think that might be a good place to end it i have a call at 11 we in seven minutes so do yeah. we want to wrap up the road to product management we've covered everything in terms of interviews so now we're at the point where we're started and we could probably go into what our first impressions and experiences were like as a new fresh baby pm in the big world of oracle next time sounds good that was uh technically managing episode five thanks for listening everyone we'll see you in two weeks have a good day everyone or weeks (laughs) bye